Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wear Many Hats. We've got a really, really interesting show for you today, actually. Very interesting guest, um, an individual that's worked in senior leadership roles across multiple industries, across procurement, um, in transformative leadership roles, with a varied career across multiple industries. So we're going to get some really interesting insights here from Chris Moore. Hello, Chris Moore. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, yeah, a very, very warm day. That's why I'm also in a in a shirt this morning. Well, to be fair, as I said to you, Chris, just because you sent us that email saying I'm going to be casual, I was like, oh, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> because usually we would be suited and booted. Right. Okay. Usually. Well, I'm glad I sent the email. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll buy you two pints of pub instead of one. <laughs> Uh, absolute pleasure to have you here, Chris. Thank you. Um, thank you for your time. Should we get straight into it with the first yeah, question? Yeah, let's go into it, no problem. Yeah. All right, well, nice easy one. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your career overall. My career? Well, it, it goes back a long way, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I won't give you the whole story. I, I guess it started really um, after you know, I studied business and marketing, um, and then really also did some computer studies, but I was really focused later on to get into advertising and marketing. Mm. Um and, you know, and I, after getting involved in numerous different roles around promotional activity, market research companies, right. um, I ended up transitioning very much into operational roles behind market research. So working for a pharma company, working for Dun & Bradstreet for data analytics. A lot of that was around the operational gathering of information. Mm. Um, I know you were thinking, how does this relate to procurement? Yeah. Um, well, the truth is, after doing that for many years, I think what that gave me was an exposure to lots of third-party yeah. organizations, contracts, yeah. um, working with stakeholders in the organizations. And I was actually asked, um, after about 10 years, I guess, working within that protection environment, if I was interested in actually working in procurement and creating a procurement function. Right. So that was about 16, 17 years ago now. Wow. Um, so that kind of kicked off my involvement in procurement, which I, I found very interesting. But to be honest, but like many people, I don't think anyone really started out with a view of working in procurement. I mean, if I'm honest, the people I've met... Uh, particularly going back when I first got involved, no one really yeah. decided to, yes, I'm going to go become a procurement specialist or, yeah. or a CPO. You're not the first person to say that to it, Yeah, it's always, it's always come from a different avenue. So coming across from operations into procurement actually gave me quite a good solid background and exposure to working with um, suppliers and all the challenges you get from stakeholders as well. It's quite interesting that because you would have the people skills associated so that that would give you an additional skill set as associated oh, rather I, than I think just having so, that. yeah absolutely i think certainly having that interaction of managing teams managing yeah. different challenges in that environment yeah uh, meant that when you when i got involved in procurement i was able to really understand some of the issues that the business was having yeah and a bit more pragmatic around trying to resolve those issues as well right um so you know so when i moved to procurement again really that transitioned into running uh, procurement departments um, across the mere Right. And predominantly initially in the indirect space. So I have right. touched on FM. Yes. Um, in that respect, but also, you know, from, from IT, from professional services, legal services, the whole range of things in the, the indirect space. I actually yeah. got heavily involved in for a number of years. Right. Um, and still that's very much focused around um, what I would say was kind of service related industries, not, not manufacturing. Right. I got involved in manufacturing much later on when working with um, or Pitney Bowes, for example, or, or Talis later on as well. Right. Um, and I think, you know, as I moved into those roles, they kind of offer different challenges for you as well, as you would expect. I yeah, think, yeah, current, of course. Yeah. In the current climate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but long and short, it was that was kind of how I went from my initial plans of doing marketing right to end up really in doing the procurement type of roles that I did. Yeah. Um, and about five, six years ago, maybe slightly more than that, actually, um, I kind of decided to kind of walk and work for myself so since right. then i've been very much working either on a contractor basis or consultant basis yeah really going in and, and doing transformation programs um or actually giving some board advisory support yeah. to organizations as well right uh, and that's kind of where, where i'm at right now yeah um it's kind of you know, looking at the background experience that i've had and trying to see how that can hopefully benefit people yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So, how how did you find how do you find um, the difference? What what are the key differences between, you know, having that consultancy or being that consultant as opposed to being directly employed by? What's the what what do you prefer? I suppose, and and how I, would I you? I think, if I'm honest, yeah, I, I prefer the consultancy. Yeah, and I say that in a way that um, I've worked for a number of, of, of big corporations, and so yes. those corporations have a certain culture and environment which you which you work within yes and, and they're very challenging they're very rewarding but they're also very challenging i think so to get some things done it can be very difficult yeah. um i think in the consultancy base really where people are 
engaging with your expertise and knowledge and you're yeah. making recommendations, the decision-making side of that really is down to the organization. So right. you're presenting, you're doing the evaluation, you're presenting what you think the recommendation should be, and really they're making a decision on what steps they want to take going forward. So the way in which I've tended to work in those in that capacity has been very much evaluating evaluating things, providing recommendations based on what the challenges are to yeah. an organization, and letting the organization make that decision so I don't actually have to own it. So for right. me, that's the big difference that I see. Yeah. It's, quite, it's quite nice in the sense that you can get heavily involved but you can also look at it and not have to worry about the politics behind some of those situations that you see yeah, in big corporations. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you can't um, you kind of get all the benefits, but none of the bureaucracy. I think <laughs> would that be would that yeah, be? I was, I was trying to be delicate, but yeah. I think you stand it up there, really. Yeah, I yeah. think, and I you know the listeners know I'm a northerner. You know, I just come out, <laughs> I just talk. You know? <laughs> and, and you know, certainly, you know, colleagues who I have worked with over the years, I think I've also expressed who have moved into um, consultancy type roles, have expressed similar. Yeah. I think. Um, feelings in terms of the difference between the two organisations, really. Yeah. A really interesting thoughts just come into my head, and I'd like to ask you about yeah. it, actually. Um, obviously, post-COVID, the roles yeah. of organisations yeah. and employees within organisations have somewhat changed. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've operated predominantly from home for the last 15 years. Mm. Okay. And what I'm seeing, or what I'm noticing, is that people that were generally office-based are becoming far more flexible than they yeah. were pre-COVID. Um, so, so I think that that the, the working world, and, and I'm making an assumption here, Chris, <laughs> is kind of catching up with what you've been doing for the last five years yeah. and what with what I've been doing in terms of that flexible approach to being able to work. Would you agree, or do you think? I think it's it's. I think COVID certainly has, has forced that change. That change has always been really around yeah. pre-COVID. I think right. the challenge has been, if I'm honest, is that there's obviously a, a, a cost in changing that cultural shift in the organisation yeah. from working in office to working at home. Mm. Um, and it helps change about how you police and manage that, et cetera, yeah. as well. COVID forced that issue, I think, on organisations. Really there, no there was no choice. So yeah. they had to move it. So I think what you've now got is the acceptance that actually you can work effectively from home as well as in the office or, or a combination of both. Yeah. Um, I think the challenge you've now got, though, and I think – I've seen this with some organisations where they're trying to bring people back into the office, is you you do lose the cultural aspect and level of integration that you have yes. with people being face-to-face. So, you know, in procurement, when you're negotiating, it's very different negotiating face-to-face than it is on a conference call where you're not seeing somebody. So, yes. again, I think it's the same thing in the office. I do think that's kind of what's missing. So I think it'd be interesting to see what organisations do yeah. over the coming years. Um, I think one of the things that you know relates really much within your space as well is mm. really around the cost of property. You know, certainly I know yeah. companies who had long-term leases mm. um, where utilisation has dropped like below twenty percent. Wow! Uh, and it's a case of then what do we do with that? So I think I think companies are seeing those kind of challenges as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. Oh, really? I think I think that. Um those changes, I think that they're going to continue over the next five years. I think it's just going to continue because now we're talking about the four-day week, which I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know about that. But, you know, because to me, five days is five days. You know, I mean, everybody yeah. finishes early on a Friday anyway, yeah. don't they, Chris? Well, I, I think it's not everybody. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I don't finish I, early on I Friday. think it also depends on different industries work different ways as well. So certainly yeah. I think in certain more, perhaps manufacturing-based industries, you might find it's easier to, to do so the four-day week and then yeah. you have a weekend as well. Um, but I do think I do think there's definitely a shift towards doing that. And if I'm honest, if you look at the recruitment market, um, a lot of the roles you see being advertised now tend to automatically talk about hybrid roles. Yes. Um, you know, and they're quite, you know, they may suggest you are in the office for a couple of days, but generally most of them are offering that. And frankly, I think a lot of people who are, are candidates are looking now for that to be a requirement as to what type of role they actually take. Yeah. Um, so I think there's definitely a shift. Yeah. I think it'll take a while before it kind of balances out, if I'm honest yeah. with you. But it is an interesting time. Yeah, because we've got a lot of the Tuesday, Wednesday, third days. I won't say the <laughs> guests have already done that on the show, so yeah. I don't need to. Like, it's it's going to be quite interesting how it evolves yeah. over time, I think. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Really interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, so what inspired you? I mean, I know you talked a little bit about how you um, transitioned into procurement, mm. um, but what, what, what inspired you to move from where you were previously into it? Was there a, a particular incident or...? So... As I said, I, I kind of, I kind of was, was after transition. There was nothing that really, I would say, thought, oh, yeah, I definitely want to go and do that. Yeah. What I will say, however, is that, you know, it's when I was asked to look at, look at moving to and create a procurement function, I had to actually understand, well, what exactly does procurement do? Mm. Because, again, like many people, I had a perception that really it was very much the 
well, the tactical type activity that you, you see, it was um, place and purchase orders. It was, yes. you know, checking inventory. So that was, and honestly, that was the assumption I had initially. Um, I think, but well, once I got into it and realized that procurement is quite a unique function where actually you get access to everything in the organization. Yep. All functions, uh, whether you get access to financial data across the whole organization mm. and have a whole supply. So it actually opens up a whole range of things that you can actually do and get involved in. So for me, that's what I found interesting, whether right. it was working on um, a new ERP implementation, or whether it was sourcing a new contract with Microsoft or a, a new um, uh, building right. or services. I think that the range of things you could get involved in yeah. is what made it generally interesting, which you don't tend to get in most other functions. Mm. So for me, I wouldn't say I was, I was inspired, but certainly what that, I thought, well, actually, there's a lot of things here that you can get, really get your teeth into that are really interesting yeah. and challenging in a completely different way than you would typically have thought. Yeah. So that's, that, I think that's really what kind of got me kind of interested more yeah. and more into becoming. And actually, that's one reason why I went and did my NSIPs and got certified, because actually opened up a whole host of other doors, I think, for yeah. me in that sense as well. So that kind of developed you as an individual into other areas of business that you were interested in. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, you know, again, you know, things like um, getting involved in, in IT and technology yeah. um, or getting involved in, and we talk about the people side where you're looking at recruitment or HR services. When you're buying those services, you naturally have to understand how they're going to be used. That's true. How does yeah. the organization benefit from them? So I think your level of involvement is much greater in that in that area so right. for me personally yeah. you know i found that really interesting challenging uh, i mean there are obviously some areas i wasn't as, as interested yeah, yeah, yeah. i won't mention those yeah but you know but majority of things i think generally generally i found interesting and got and got my teeth into okay uh, and, yeah. and even you know even even you know as i progressed in my career there are areas i always kind of kept myself involved whether it was it or professional services things yeah. i like to kind of get involved i continue to do as well yeah. So, so how would, how would you say that you feel pro- procurement has evolved in the 17, 18 years that you've been operating it? Cause I, I kind of think that now it's, now it's really sharp. It's very well done. It's very, I think it's, know. it's, oh, it's, I think it's evolved greatly. I, yeah. I think I, again, I, you know, when I sometimes talk about procurement and I go in to explain what procurement is, I yeah. sometimes always compare, you know, to f- the definition of, of purchasing versus procurement. And for me, if you go back 20 years ago, a lot of people's view was really it was it was tactical. It was purchasing. It was that process and activity you, you, you embodied. Mm. Now I think the focus is actually, and you've seen this particularly out of the events of the last couple of years, yep. where you've got disruption to, to supply chain, you've got uh, you know economic challenges. You find actually it's become a lot more strategic. Yes, involved in supply due diligence, risk management. So I think that change from that tactical to that kind of more forward focused actually is what I think I've seen in procurement. So. That's translated into how organizations structure themselves, yep. the skills that you bring into those into those functions, right. but also the level of knowledge that you have now within the markets that those the commodity markets, those functions support as well. So right. I think I definitely I've seen a change in that. The other thing I would say as well is technology. Oh, of the course, way yeah. in which we manage the processing now to what we do now is, is completely different. And that's I yeah. think that's going to continue to change, you know, with things like AI, et cetera, coming in as yeah, well. So we, I, we are going to talk about that uh, shortly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I think I think yeah, I think there's, there's been a dramatic move, I think, in terms of how the functions are, you know, actually managed themselves. Yeah. Um, how the business sees them. I think there are still challenges in terms of the perception. Yeah. of procurement and I think right. that also varies from sector to sector okay in terms of how reliant the businesses are on procurement as a function right. um, but I think in the future you know you will see even more change I do think particularly with what's happened the past couple of years mm. procurement you know how, and I, I've been there myself fighting to get my you know get a, a seat around the table yes um, I think now with what's happened I think the state of procurement has been elevated where it's far more involved becoming far more involved in those business decisions that need to be taken because of what you've seen with the supply yeah. chains through COVID, yeah. through the economic challenges we currently have. I think people are now looking to them as the face to our supply chain. Right. How do you secure supply? How do you secure um, pricing? Um, so I think it's, it's, and also if you look at things like ESG, I know you're going to go on this later on as well. Yeah. But again, ESG again is some of the big again are getting heavily involved in to manage and police with the supply chain. So I yeah. think it's opened up a whole area for procurement going forward. Yeah, so it's become a far more interesting and dynamic function. I, I think it, I think it has very much more now. I think it's also going to attract more and more people from within the organisation to want to move into it. Okay. Um, what I would say as well, actually, I think is equally people will move from procurement, well, I think a solid yeah. knowledge base into other areas of the business as well. Is that yeah. what you'll start to see also? 
Okay. So, so, so staying with that, you know, what advice would you give to an individual that was looking to move into procurement? Um, I, th- I think the key thing I would probably say is to understand what procurement represents. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned earlier on, I think because there are so many facets of procurement now, you can get involved in from, you know, the, the market and commodity aspects of managing the category, you know, the um, contract management, the technology piece, the data analytics. There's so much you can get involved in. The I think the perception years ago about what a buyer is and what someone now is a procurement is quite different. So I do think someone looking at procurement now really should be looking at saying, what is it that interests me? Yeah. Uh, but also recognize actually you can build a career on just one facet of procurement. So the analytics side alone, it, you know, if you look at what's happening right now, the information you were trying to gather and you're yeah. trying to analyze whether it's spend information, supply information. Everything's about data. Everything's about Everything. data. Yes. So I, I think I would advise everyone to look at it, see what really interests you, but also recognize that, you know, you there are a whole range of areas that you can tap into into procurement. Yeah. Also, I think the way in is not the same now as it perhaps used to be, where you went in as a buyer, a county manager, and you went, so I actually think the entrance is into procurement as a function. You know, you can come in in many different ways now. Right. Um, so that's also, I think, interesting of someone looking at procurement as well. Yeah, that is quite interesting, it's, to it's, be fair. It's, yeah. That, that, that people can come via different avenues yeah. to, to, to build it. Because I think if, you, if you're going to be a data-driven individual, it's a certain type of person that can do that, isn't it? You know, it, it, it is. Really is. Yeah. And yeah. I think the way in which you look at demands that you put on, on data and procurement now as well, you really need people who, who understand the data and the information, the data sources. Yep. Um, you know, and we are making decisions based on that data. Yep. So I do think it's key that someone who has that kind of background may find it very interesting in terms of what else they get exposed to within within the procurement environment. Yeah. Um, in the same way, someone who's who's familiar with procurement and works, say, within the supply chain, supplier due diligence or contract management might find actually they can move into a business development role or a sales role because they have the understanding. I, I know people that have done that. Right. I do know yeah. people that have yeah. moved from procurement yeah. to sales, yeah. which seems like a really unusual step for, for me, but um, I, it proved to be quite successful. So fair play to them. You know, but I, yeah, I, I just think that I think as, as things change, you're going to see more and more of that, I think. Yeah. And also, I think from a current point of role, I think it's there's a change where procurement roles are becoming organized to try and get procurement roles more integrated in businesses, yeah. in business lines. I think that's the move you're going to see. So I think the lines become slightly more blurred. Right. I think moving forward. And then certainly in the roles that I've had, I've worked with people who are actually kind of kind of sit on the fence between the stakeholder group and procurement and kind of play play that, you know, very, very well yeah. to make sure that, you know, the requirements are fully understood and they're very pragmatic in how things are delivered from procurement function. I think right. the days where so a multifaceted approach. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think the days where procurement used to be, you know, it's it's only one way. This is this is the supplier you're going to have. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. And that's the post you go through. I think while there some organizations still work that way, there's definitely a shift towards actually, you need to be pragmatic about the processes and what you do. do. And everything yes. really is a, a balance between the benefit that you're giving the business right. and the risk that you have as well. Oh. Um, and it's trying to bring the business along with that kind of understanding, I think. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah. All right, AI. Let's get <laughs> on to it. Well, how, how do you think AI will affect think, procurement? If, if, if at all, because I, I, I love people's answers to this question. It's one of my favourite ones. You know? So, um, funny enough, I, I was actually on a, a AI conference any other week. Oh, were <laughs> so, you? So, so, yeah, which, which I did find very interesting, specifically about procurement as it has it, and it was very interesting. It kind of yeah. reinforced some of the thoughts that I had as well. I do think AI, you know, can have a significant impact on becoming how the becoming processes work, but also how and also how decisions are taken. Um, and by that, I mean AI to me is is basically a tool. Any other tool we have, it's ERP tools, analytics tool. Yeah, um, it, it's a tool based. It depends on how you use it. But I do think that. But the big benefit with AI is that if you have the right infrastructure for AI, mm. it allows you to ask a question of something and get an answer. Yes. So, so where traditionally in the procurement, if you're looking at, for example, a, a procurement challenge would be, you know, what commodity group should I focus on? Mm. You'd go out and you'd conduct, you know, analysis. You'll get lots of different data inputs. You'll come, you'll come together. Someone will present it to you and say, yeah. here's my recommendations. That could take weeks in some instances. Yeah. The advantage of the AI is that actually you can do, you can ask the question, you can get initial responses. So actually based on all these data inputs, 
you should focus on this particular area. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it, it circumvents all that activity, activity yeah. that you would. So I do think from that sense, if it's used in the right way, mm. it allows you to do a lot more for a lot less effort or get you to a point where you make a decision without the level of effort you were previously engaged in. Yeah. So I think that's why I think it's quite fundamental. But again, I do see it as a tool yeah. like anything else. I think the fear that people have with AI is we've all seen Terminator, okay? We've all, yeah, we've all yeah, seen yeah. the films. Uh, I think that's the fear. And I think there's also a fear and a genuine one that people think you know, AI will replace me and take my job. Yeah, because I, I mean, I was going to ask you that. Because, yeah. you know, would, you know is, is, is there a, a scenario whereby roles within procurement that are data-driven, for example, yeah. analytical roles, um, are done in the future by AI? You know, is that something that could potentially happen? Well, I, I mean, think, what do you I think, think I think AI will certainly, I see it as, um, as, again, as a tool that will enhance how people perform. Yeah. So, um, yes, there may be elements that you might say, actually, if you've got processes that are done manually now, AI or automation we can will, will replace them. Yeah. But, yeah. frankly, I think that's always going to come along anyway at some point. You know? And if that is the case, yeah. you'd always say, well, why aren't you automating it anyway? Yeah. Um, so I, I think what I would say there is, that while there's that there's that fear, we should be looking to embrace. Well, how do we use AI yeah. so enable me to do more with less time? So you know, for example, so it's more about being efficient. I think say. it's I think it's more efficient. Yeah. I think it's also a case. So bear in mind also AI's limitation will still be on the data sources that it has. That's so true. so yeah, for yeah. me, I would never look to AI to be a decision maker. Yeah. In areas that may have high risk or. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Just, I wouldn't look at it from helpfulness in that respect. Mm. But I do think taking, taking you to a point where you can make a decision or a recommendation. Yeah. I think AI will be invaluable. So things like you know conducting a I don't know, an RFQ, yeah. responding to to supplier. That's already you know, happening. That, right. I'm, I yeah. mean, I, I was I was literally so, talking to somebody today, Chris, yeah. that told me about a piece of software yeah. that can basically do a bid for you from start yeah. to finish in about an hour. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't have the yeah. data. I don't know if it can read specific questions yeah. and things like that, yeah. but it can okay. fundamentally yeah. write. And yeah. you're like, yeah. like, wow. Yeah. But even if you think when, when someone queries a, an RFQ and they will have a question back to, to you, you know, that, that response can actually be driven by AI. By AI. <laughs> so if it's it, a simple question. It can be driven by AI. So I think that, yeah. that also makes the process, you know, a lot more efficient. Yeah. The decision at the end of the recommendation, I think, still comes down to a decision-making process you would have now. I don't really yes. see that would change. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, the limitations will be really around the data inputs that you have with AI to enable it to work in such an effective way. Yeah, if, yeah, you, yeah. if you would, if you, I don't know, if you use Chat GPT currently, yes, and you well, are, I've, well, I've that, played with it. Right. You, so you love it. Right, you think you love it. So there are things where actually you get, you know, responses that say, "Yeah, that's bang on." Other response, you think, oh, I'm not quite sure <laughs> where that's come from. Yeah. So it's much the same thing. Of it. If it has actually the right data sources, I think how good that is depends on how well you feed that. It's really interesting. So I think the limits of organization will be whether they have that infrastructure to allow them to do that. Yeah. Um, I think. But so, as an individual, I think, you know, we should embrace it in a way that says it allows us to do our job better. I mean, I, would, I, I have answered this before with someone, actually, and I, I, I reference this to the smartphone. Yeah. And so basically, it's like when the smart, then the big technological chain, when the smartphone mm. came in, you know, people suddenly thought, oh my God, what does that mean? We can do everything yeah. with the smartphone. Yeah, you, know, yeah, we yeah. Can, you can order takeaways, you can make bookings, you can approve things. All those yeah. things became great. It didn't remove people from jobs and organizations who were very, doing very things. Very true. Yeah, yeah. What it allowed us to do was do a lot more, a lot more efficiently. Yes. And so I think when we look at AI, we've got to think about it in those same terms. In those same terms. How do we use it? To our benefit, yeah. rather than our detriment, in yeah. some respects, really. So, so, so I think, sorry, long, long answer. Answer your question. No, but a very I, interesting I, I, answer. Yeah. A really interesting. <laughs> honestly, Chris, very interesting. Because so, I mean, all, all I'm thinking right now is we could have a scenario whereby you know an organisation could send out an RFQ, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, the individual reads the RFQ, puts it through AI. AI comes up with a bunch of questions. Those questions get sent to the supplier. The supplier's AI answers the question. <laughs> and then, you know, it could just be, it's quite interesting. Which, which it? is why you kind of need somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. again, I think what you have to bear Checks in mind. Checks and balances within you the You have system. to yeah, have that. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, what you have to recognize is, you know, with things like AI, it's it's very black and white. And my, my, my other perhaps analogy will be something like email versus face-to-face. -face. So if you yeah. read an email from somebody, you get one interpretation. Yes. If someone wants to, to sit there in front of you and read it to you, quite often you'll get a different interpretation. So I, I look at 
AI in that respect, that actually while it can do part of that process, yeah. your decision making is often based on how you interact with somebody as well. But, but that is a great way to view so, it because yeah. we all interpret things differently. We, we all interpret the world around us differently. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that, you know, because I'll read an email from an individual and go, how dare they speak like that? You could read it and go, what's wrong? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, it, it is true, isn't it? Yeah, you know? it is very much so. Okay. Well, that was incredibly <laughs> interesting. No, really, really, yeah, really yeah. interesting. Um, so moving on to something else that we yeah. spoke about earlier, you know, in your opinion, how do you think environmental, social and governance issues yeah. will impact procurement decisions in the future? Well, I think, I think we're seeing it impact procurement decision making now. I would agree. I, I think yeah. effectively. Yeah. I think what you've got is, um, it, it's interesting again because if you, I think priorities do change. I think the priority for let's say sustainability, should we say, yeah. has changed over the past five years or so. I think if I go back again pre-COVID, it was very much that's where we need to actually be. Yeah. I think what's happened is people often saw it as a, a nice to have. I think yes. it's moved towards now there are regulations that you have, you have to abide to, by. Yeah. So I think I think that applies to the top. Is it thirteen hundred organised companies? I think I'm trying to think limitations. I, I think so. have to report on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I think the element that says you know they have to embed there. So what you I think you're seeing is that organisations now embedding that within their strategies. Mm. Um, and if there's a legal requirement, then I think as we go through the procurement process, there has to be part of our decision making criteria. You can't yeah. not have it in there. So I do think you're going to see that happening more and more yeah. we have regulations out now i think they will continue yeah. to be i think extending across other organizations the smaller organizations i also think the fact that you know customers now are demanding it yes i mean if, if i think back to you know supply chains i've worked within i've often had um clients who are demanding you know so what is the carbon emissions for your supply chain and what are you doing about about you know other aspects within it? I don't know a modern slavery, whatever else it might actually be. You know, all those things now customers are demanding. They want mm. to see what you are doing. So I think, as a result, in a procurement role, you have to give consideration to that. I think when you are looking to source suppliers, mm. when you are um, reviewing managing suppliers, when you look at their performance, I think a lot of those things now become part of their ongoing metrics yeah. and reviews that you'd normally have. So I think you're going to see more and more of that. Yeah. The challenge, I think, and this may be a bit of a controversial one, would you really be like anything else? Right now, I think there's an element that might suggest that some people go through the motions to abide by a requirement. So, yes, right. we have a program, yeah. tick, and we tick a box. Mm. The role procurement has to make sure, is that a legitimate program? Yes. So how far do you go to identify, yes, that is a legitimate program, yeah. it's not just a tick box? And I was in a, I was in an organisation... Um, some time ago, I will say, um, where where we had that discussion around, um, you know, elements around. Well, let's let's just tick the box and say we are doing something and do all the right stuff we should do. Yeah. But actually, when you drill down, it's well, how far do you go with that? So while yeah. you may be meeting minimum standards, I think the demands now are ready to to go to go far beyond that. Yeah. Um, so I do think what you're going to see is certainly that becoming a bigger bigger part of what procurement does, as as long as it's embedded in corporate strategies, it's never going to go away. No, no. And once it becomes become a regular requirement, again, it's something that you're, you're going to have to actually do. Yeah. Um, so so how, how would you, as a procurement professional, view organisations that go above and beyond in those areas, you know? Well, that's, get, so that, get so that, certifications like B Corp and things yeah. like that. What would your so view I think be that, that's, I guess that's kind of what I was referring to in terms of how that impacts your decision-making. So yeah. the balance to me would be if you have organizations who have a very mature let's say sustainability program versus yep. someone who doesn't right and they're bidding for the same type of service and one price is different to the other what drives your decision do you accept a higher price yeah yeah for a service knowing that actually that their sustainability program is very mature yeah and in the long term that may actually help drive revenue credit revenues for you because it's again it's part of the brand you're trying to put out there as well yeah or do you go for an actual fact they meet minimum required requirements therefore you know we can save our money now yeah now i'm not advocating either one i'm just yeah, yeah of course I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just simply saying i think those are kind of the decisions that you're going to find becoming will face depending on the organization that they are actually in yeah, well, all companies will have a different strategy. Right? And, They'll and, have a different view on it. And, you know? and I think the current climate where you've got a drive where there are budget constraints, there's a yeah. drive to reduce costs. Um, I think that you know people are going to look all around about, well, how do I actually do that? Yeah. Um, and this is one that could be a list of many different things that organisations might well consider. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said about doing the right thing for the right reasons. I, 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 I totally on agree. It, on, his, on his baseline, you know. I, I, I totally agree. And I do think, you know, again, 
that's what customers are looking for. Yeah. So I think the long term kind of strategy would certainly be to go down that road. Yeah. I, think, I think that's actually my personal view is that's actually the right thing to do. Yeah. But equally, you know, in procurement and in many different roles that I've had in organizations, you always get to a decision where you're trying to balance yeah. the cost of something versus the immediate benefit. Of course. And I'm just saying procurement often do that yeah. um, as they work through the supply chain. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay, so what do you think the um, – I know that we kind of talked about how procurement changed in the time. What do you think the future looks like for procurement? Um, I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's very good, actually, given – again, again, given the fact that events the past couple of years has raised the profile for procurement, I think very much so um, people are now engaging with them more than perhaps they were done before. Yeah. Um, I guess the challenge would be in an environment that's that's far more volatile and other yeah. demands coming through is whether the kind of the modeling that you have traditional procurement structures mm. changes. Yeah. I mean businesses generally, you know, look for I would say a lot more um, agility, responsiveness, and how you engage with procurement. So I dynamism. Do, yeah, you, I, okay. <laughs> dynamism. So, so I think I think what you're going to see perhaps is, is a, maybe perhaps a change in in the traditional models that you see in organisations. You know, category strategies and yeah. you know, or, or, or um, operations set up. I think you might find there be more integration right within procurement with roles being far more integrated within business lines or in other functions. I think to kind of as I said, blur blur that gap more. Yep, um, that's what I would I kind of expect to see to be going forward right um equally i think you know i mentioned before about you know the challenges in procurement and companies looking for cost reduction mm. again procurement i think has to be careful in that where people traditionally measure procurement on on cost reduction yeah and now it's becoming you know things like <laughs> risk management sustainability and other areas as well yeah what you've got to be careful of is actually the companies continue to see the value procurement has to offer because mm. if it's not now in pounds, it's what else is it in? So becoming in itself, an organisation could see themselves under threat because right. there's a cost associated with running a becoming function. So if you're not getting the true value out of it, I think there's a question mark around why should we have it? Yeah. So I think in some respects there's a threat in certain areas, but I think generally my view would be I think it's very positive. Yeah. I do think roles will change. Again, I mentioned before about, for example, AI, Data, I think ESG, there'll be other challenges I think people will face. Yeah, other I think, skills that are required. I think in any industry, you just got to be comfortable with change because I, I th- yeah. I've, I've, been in, I've been in business for 20 years and the one thing that is constant is change. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know I, I think you have yeah. to be able yeah. to, to cope with yeah. that, don't you? I, th- I think it's also a big challenge will be, you know, if you look at what's happened the past couple years again, mm. is that there's so much volatility that now yes. the company, I think, will have a role in, you know, I guess securing those supply chains or yep. um, supply res- resilience, I think is the term we should be using. Mm. Uh, I think the focus, very much the focus on, on how do you do that, how do you manage risk, but also what's the contingency? So things happen like COVID, like the Ukraine war, you have supply chains and inventories that either there is no stop for certain items or your areas are now overstocked because they bought up yep. during those times. So I think you're going to have different challenges because we're going to have to face going forward. So I think it's very interesting. I, I, I think as well, the yeah. landscape will be different. I think the way in which you see becoming now and the way they integrate organisations, I think, will be different in the future. Yeah, I think industry on the whole in five years, it'd be, it'd be, you know, it'd be interesting in five years' time when I'm listening to the podcast from, from 2023, you know, and what we're talking about now, how that will relate yeah. to what's happening yeah. in five years' yeah. time. Or well, it could be completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could be, yeah. We could be. There could be T1000. Running yeah, right, the world, exactly. you know? AI may have taken over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll all be putting a box in where, you know, giving one, one meal a day. So something yeah. like that. Humans will be safe in the box of AI. Okay. Um, well, that's a really interesting insight there, Chris. Um, thank you very much. So, you know, what are the common challenges that you would face in procurement today? What, you know, what, what do you find the most challenging in your role on a day-to-day basis? I think, well, you know, where, where I've gone into organisations, um, the biggest challenge probably has been around the perception of redefining what procurement is. Yes. Uh, so I think quite often people have a perception of what procurement is and what they want. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been often an element of educating individuals about about what procurement does and doesn't do. So it's got a bit of an image problem. I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a perception issue. There's an image issue. I right. think, you know, okay. it, just on that image thing, I mean, years ago, just a short, quick story, I remember going to a conference and um, and... And what one of the, the presenters actually did was that he put up, he said he, he Googled at the time, I think, you know, a, a procurement 
manager and what came out was a picture yeah. of a a middle-aged white man in a in a in a in a tweed jacket and beard right. and and, the, and it was the image so that's what everyone thinks when they think about procurement right uh and i think and that's part of the part of the, the branding issue that, that yeah, you can see yeah, yeah, has, okay. people have a view of well this is what i think it looks like i could see that though. i um, could see that yeah you know yeah, so, yeah. so i do think that's that's a challenge so really trying to initially try this actually becoming can be a lot more yeah, than this, it can yeah. be a lot more than purchase orders. It can be a lot more than than what you normally expect to see. Yeah. So I think, um, so I think certainly, that's a challenge that I see trying to educate people and, mm. and saying, here's what we it can actually do for you. Yeah. The other I think is then having to actually engage people. People don't want to engage with generally. Stakeholder groups tend to want to believe they they. Have a view of what they want. Yeah, and I think, and I think there's, I think, <laughs> I know you can ask me later on. Um, but I'll kind of touch on now. I think what what I always have learned is that you know when I'm talking to to new clients or I'm talking to stakeholder groups, it's quite often it's never to take for, to for granted that what they think they what they want is actually what they need. Yes. Uh, or the solution they have in mind is actually the right solution. It's fair comment. So I do think that quite often um, there's a challenge around how do you manage that engagement with stakeholders. So from my point of view, a lot of that's trying to break down what is it that you actually need to help you do your job more effectively. Yeah. Is it what you're asking for? Or is it actually something different? So the conversation there is quite interesting. So I do enjoy that type of conversation. Yeah. Um, so I think so, yeah. So it's that kind of engagement for me, which I think is the biggest challenge. I mean, yeah. things like technology, to be honest, different organizations have different levels of technology, but technology mm. is technology. Yeah. Um, for me, it's really, it's how do you engage with your stakeholder group? How do you deal with that kind of perception of what procurement actually is? Yeah. I think it's, it's what I personally see as the biggest, the biggest challenge. So would you say that's like, you know, you're working collaboratively to make sure that there isn't a them versus us scenario within I, the organization? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's certainly trying to yeah. break down some of those walls and engage in a way. And it's what I said earlier on about, you know, I think the thing that procurement also Needs to recognize. And I personally, you know, I always challenge myself to think this way is that I don't typically think that organizations do things just to annoy procurement. If things, if processes don't work, yeah, then something's wrong with the processes. Yeah. So I do think a lot of the engagement I find myself is trying to understand. So what is it that doesn't work for you? Yeah. And why doesn't, doesn't it work? Yeah. And quite often it may be that as a collaboration, it's okay, actually, we need to change the process because yeah, really yeah, yeah. it's not giving you what you need. So the idea of trying to fit a round peg into a square hole, mm. I remember it's trying to say, actually, you know, let's make that hexagon or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. So how do we change that approach? So I do think, so for me, to really question, really, that's the challenge I think is really trying to get down to what was the crux of the problem. Too often, I think it's assumptions are made around, yeah. here's what we think the problem to be. And my personal way is trying to actually go to that level of evaluation to understand, well, okay, let's let's take a step back and really drill down to understand what what really is the issue. Yeah. Um, I did a I did a what's it I think a lean Zigma call some years ago, and there's something called the five, is it the five why principles? Uh, yeah, 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 you're familiar yeah, with it, yeah, 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 where you always go why, 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 why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I kind of had that in the back of my head every time I ask the question again and to get to really what was the root cause of an issue. Yes. And then trying to address So I think that's it's like a root cause analysis. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, so that to me really is one of the biggest challenges that I tend to find and the process right. that I personally go through when I when I engage. Okay. All right, Chris. Well, look, you mentioned earlier on in the show that you did an AI course last week. Um, how do you go about staying informed about changes and yeah. things within the industry? You know, do you network? Do you go to specific areas? Yeah, I, I think do you do? I, no, I don't do anything revolutionary. Right. <laughs> I don't do anything else really. LinkedIn. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I certainly, certainly I'm, I'm a SIPS member, so I, I follow a lot of the papers yeah. that I'm on SIPS. I attend training courses to keep myself familiar with, what, with what's going on. Mm. I think, you know, I, I have a network. I, I attend. Um, there are lots of different groups and magazines that are out there that touch about different yeah. topics, whether it's AI, yeah. whether it's, you know, um, you know the, the kind of financial challenge we have right now, whether it's issues on shortages in the supply chain. So I tend to generally just try and read up um, and keep myself informed. Mm. I did set myself a challenge, you know, of, of spending X number of hours, you know, a year to try and just do something. I do. And to be fair, this year I've been too bad, actually. Yeah. I've been doing that. Um but generally, it, it's that I think just trying, trying to reach out and work with people. Also, um, contact some from the suppliers I've worked with. Quite often, I, I catch and just say, "Well, so what's what's happening? Yeah. You know, in a particular market, what what's new?" Um, because again, some of the things that you see in black and white don't always give you the same reflection as when you talk to somebody saying, "Well, what does it? What's it like on the ground?" Yeah, and they put the human element behind it and give, give you the real I think story a human yeah. as well. So yeah, I, yeah. I think yeah, there's lots of avenues. I think right now 
to try and really, you know, keep yourself in. Well, the, the, the fear, of course, is there's so much information out there. That's true. You yeah. can get information overload. Yeah. And the other thing I think also I would say is probably around it's that not all data sources really have the right level of information that you want. So I think it's trying to recognise what are valid and secure and genuine sources that you want to be looking to yeah. um, to get information as well. Right, okay. Okay, so yeah. is there any lessons that, that you've learned in your career through a particularly different, difficult procurement process or something that has um, stayed with you? I, th- I think, you know, I, I think probably what I referred to earlier, why I do the five whys, I yeah. think is because... Yeah. I certainly have been have been involved in my years in numerous different projects and programs where you know sometimes the inclination is, is, is take for granted that you know that someone defines for you what they think the problem is or what right. the solution is. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of take away and try and address it in that way. Yep. Uh, and I you know I, I've learned from that that actually not to make as I said not to make that assumption because I have in the past yep. done that and I've seen and, and myself been involved in going down a particular route. Only to realise actually that, that wasn't actually the problem in the first place. It, it was something else. So yeah. the kind of lesson I learned is really not to take anything for granted. Right. Um, so I do tend to want to question things and do my own level of evaluation. Okay, so I understand why this is a challenge. Or yeah. so I think that's really important um, right. because I think I think it can be very costly, and you can make you know you know particularly where you are you know working on say a program or investing money to develop a let's say a technology yeah if you make the, the assumption that this is the particular requirement that's needed and it's not you know it can it can impact delays in delivering it living a solution it can impact cost yeah. so, so it's significantly cost it, sometimes yeah, as well yeah, you yeah. know so i think it's very important so for me personally the lesson i've learned is really i don't take things for granted yeah um even when i look at analysis and stats i really want to make sure that you know, I tend to look at more than one area to make sure do those stats add up to what I'm seeing somewhere else to make yeah. sure it makes sense. So would you say that you're quite an analytical person then? Would you would you um, say that you're very detail oriented? I, I wouldn't I I'd like I do like the detail. Yeah. I think I you know I think even with working in, in procurement functions and the roles I've had, I've often, you know, even though I've I've had more very much strategic roles, I've yeah. often liked to get my hands dirty so I can yeah. keep myself honest around let's see how it actually works. So I, yeah. I do I'm not I wouldn't say I have high analytical skills, you yeah. know, so I don't do anything fancy with, with spreadsheets and things. That's right. You know, okay. um, but I kind of have an idea of what I think the process needs to be to right. get to a point that I'm comfortable at. That's personally what I try I try and do. Right. Okay. That's so, interesting. All right, then, Chris, let's talk a little bit about you now. Right. <laughs> what are some of your greatest achievements in your career? Oh, oh God. Um, You're bound to have loads. Come on. Uh, well, I, I think if I, if I look back, there's there's lots of things that I've been involved in. As, as most people become at the yeah. involved in whether it's transformation programs or major negotiations, and you know there's lots of those which which are, which are great. I think, and this can sound a little bit of a cliche, I guess, but I think that the biggest thing if I look back at my career is, um, you know, where I led teams. Yeah, I've always managed to to create about really good, strong, effective teams. So I think. Um, for me, if I look back, what I'm probably most proud of is, you know, when even when I've moved on, I, I've had people who work for me who have always developed, yep. who have gone on to have really good careers in procurement as well. Yep. I've worked really well with, but already created really good dynamic teams. So that's what I think really has, to me, has been probably the greatest achievement. And I've done that consistently, I think, through the roles that I've been involved in as well. Um, so, so much as it'd be nice to sell, well, you know, with this great transformation program saves twenty million dollars, and yeah, there are those things. Don't knock, and that's that's a great measurement, I guess, for success. But actually, um, none of those things could have been delivered without having, you know, a dynamic team, a team yeah. that you can rely on and work with. So, for me, the camaraderie around working with the right people, the right skill set, and the yeah. commitment to me, you know, is what I I think probably. I would say is my achievement in trying to get the best out of people in those, right. in those situations. It's really interesting, you know, because I mean, like I said, we're on episode 29 <laughs> now. So, you know, we've, we've recorded a lot of these episodes yeah. and, and one of the things, cause I'm learning things by doing this, yeah. you know, cause obviously I'm talking to lots of interesting people. Um, but what I, what, what I am learning, what's really standing out for me is that people are most proud of helping other people achieve things then I don't think I've had anybody turned around and say, yeah. oh, I was well chuffed that I saved the ex-business one million pounds, you know, or, it, it, or anything like that. Yeah. It hasn't, it doesn't seem to have been, um, that, you know, and, and I think that's really, I, do you know what? It actually, it makes me feel really good. I, um, I, I think, it, I think it's, 
I think, I think as you get into management roles, that really should be your focus. Yeah. Because again, the delivery, and you know, from procurement functions that I've run and been involved in, you know, quite often, you know, one of the metrics has been well cost reduction. It's always yeah. a metric. No yeah, yeah, of course. Get, yeah. It so, yes, they're having very successful negotiations, but that's really not a measurement of the success of the team and how the team yeah. works and how they respond um, to markets that change. Yeah. Um, so, if you think about what we've seen in the past couple of years, having a very strong, dynamic team yeah. has the ability and the skills to respond to the challenges that arise. Yeah, of course. In that situation, it's not then going to be about how much money can I can save. Yes. It's how do I ensure that we have the right goods, the right. How do we continue our continuation of our business? How do we do that? Yeah. So, I think that's where the strength actually is. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, I always, I think that people sometimes don't give enough focus on on the people side yeah of the end organization that's that's my personal view if your team doesn't work then you know you get nowhere it, do you yeah, exactly. you know i mean no i think that's one thing the human condition yeah. nobody can get anywhere no. by themselves no. um everybody yeah. needs a team working either alongside them or with them to achieve what we you know if, i think if, if we achieve as a group we all achieve together yeah exactly, you know? no, exactly. which is which exactly. is really really important yeah. okay tough question now conversely okay like that word yeah. um any regrets um, in your career? Um, any regrets in my career? Um, I probably do. I just can't yeah. think of any on the top of my head. I, I mean, there's, there's probably going to be decisions that I've taken and done at the time, which, uh, which you know, later on, I might have thought, oh, was, that, was that the best decision to actually take? I think you all go through that, whether it's, you know, invoking a change in the organisation or maybe it's going through a negotiation yep. and thinking, well, maybe I could have played that slightly differently. Yep. Um, I, I think, I think you know, I do look back after I, at the time at things, okay, what what did I do and how could I improve on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think from a, from a general career perspective, um, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, certainly I, you know, I made it, and we discussed this before, I made the decision in my career to kind of, um, change my focus to allow me to have more time with my family. Yeah, um, you know that's one that I, I don't regret at all. No, uh, you know, um, but no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really can't think there's this out there. I think yeah, I definitely regret not doing something. Okay, maybe I regret not learning the language. Right, <laughs> well, I was discussing this out here earlier on. Um, you know, I, yeah, because certainly in a role that I had or I did actually. Um, work with, with numerous countries in Europe you know it was very nice everyone spoke English yes um, well but we're lazy aren't we we are we are, we are because so, we're, our, our attitude is they all, they all know English we don't need so to yes, I think yeah, I, I think certainly there's elements of maybe you know it'd be nice to, 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 to have done that but okay. I think if, how much, as my career has gone I, I don't think it's you know I look back and say oh that definitely was a big mistake I wish I'd never, yeah. I'd never taken that role or done that job yeah. even where I've, I've taken on quite significant projects that have been very challenging mm. I've never actually walked you know walked away and thought well I wish I'd never done that yeah because um, I do think that you know you're still a again the cliche still learn experience as you go through those challenges yeah of you know, course I, yeah. I think you still learn and, and deal with it anyway there are certainly things that I've had to do I think that are are have been challenging now we talked about transformation programs where you're impacting mm. and, and changing roles and downsizing organizations yeah. or restructuring them i mean they are challenging roles to go through and positions to be in well, of course yeah. um but again i think you know even decisions to do those things you know are taken by committee yes um, yeah they're not they're not down on individuals not so one individual it's not it? one no, individual no, doing no, that and i think that's very important those kind of changes anyway yeah um but no i i so i don't think i have anything that I can think of top of my head. The problem is, right. I'm going to I'm going to think of some. I know. Yeah, you will do some. Right right yeah. But I mean, I think, I mean, I'm a firm believer, you know, we all make mistakes, we all have regrets. Yeah. And, you know, they may not stand out at any point, but, you know, it's about whether or not you learn from them. Yeah. And um, whether or not that, that affects your decision making in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is the key yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> That's all right. It's all right. Um, anyway, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, we know all about your work. Yeah. What about leisure? What, what, what gives you the most satisfaction outside of work oh god um i, I as i get older yeah <laughs> i kind of enjoy my time not not doing a great deal if i'm honest with you um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's as bad isn't it just we can I, sit on the couch do nothing yeah, right I, I think i mean i mean i, I you know i guess I, I like to. I'm, I'm not someone who enjoys DIY or so. I, I, yeah. I really refrain from that kind of stuff. I, I, I do. I do generally keep fit. So I, you know, cycling, yeah. going to the gym, that type of thing. I do. 
Um, I'm not a huge sports fanatic, right? If I'm honest, um, I do like my wine now. I do go out to right. I do, I do red, red or white? Oh, red, red. <laughs> of <right>. course. Um, <laughs> you uh, can tell I don't know anything about wine, guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I, yeah, I think I, I generally again now. If I'm on the other thing, I guess really is is the way I kind of play my time now is I work and I I take on projects and I take time off. Is I yeah. do spend a lot of time with my family, right? So um, you know, I think I mentioned before I've, I've got um, you know teenage boys. Yeah. Um, and I think as, teenage, as teenagers are, they want to spend less and less time with you. So I try to try and spend as much time as I can with them now as I possibly yeah. can. So I do try and create time to spend at home with the family really more than anything yeah. else. So maybe I'm a bit, I don't know, not, not very exciting, I guess, outside of yeah. <laughs> outside of work. Um, well, kids are horrible, aren't they? They spend the first 10 years giving you every disease that they catch in yeah, school. Yeah, well, yeah, they spend the next eight years not wanting to talk to yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I why I, do we do it? <laughs> I guess the only thing I would say is as well, I guess, from a work, I think it's, it's not really, it's not, it's not helpful to work, but I do like the idea of, of looking at, at new things that are happening, yeah. you know, so as you mentioned, like AI, you know, and part of my just being aware of things, trends that are happening within, within my area, but generally I like to yeah. kind of keep, keep abreast of as well. Right. Um, um, but really, yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm becoming quite, I think, maybe quite lazy and just, just, quite chilled. just, just chilled and sitting back, relaxing, enjoying the good weather. Um, I, no, yeah. nothing wrong with that if you work hard. Chris. I think nothing, I, you've got, you've got to take that time for you. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, so yeah, I, nothing. Yeah, I wish I could say you know, you know, I'm a, a sports fanatic. I follow you know a great football team or cricket or rugby team. I do, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not. It doesn't drive me. Yeah. You know, I, I'm afraid. I've literally just got back into fishing. Oh, I, oh, okay. I was a keen fisherman for years okay. until I was about twenty, and I've got back into it in the last. Um, of the last couple of weeks, actually, he knows because I keep sending him pictures. Oh, really? My boy holding little fish. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you something: there's nothing more relaxing than sitting on a riverbank in the middle of nowhere, yeah. just chilling out, yeah. watching the end of a rod to see yeah. if it moves. And 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 I forgot how relaxing. Honestly, I did. I really, yeah. really did. I forgot how yeah. relaxing it was, yeah. um, and how much I enjoyed yeah. it because I didn't do it literally for about yeah. fifteen years. Yeah. Um, but. Now I'm booking camping weekends away. I'm going to wear this weekend with a boy. We're going to a place up in Middleton in oh, Teesdale. Okay, it's wow. got a river going through it, yeah. you know, because he loves it now. Yeah, yeah he's, he's proper into it. Well, I think it's nice to actually do that. Yeah. that with, with, with the sun is great, actually. Mm. I mean, again, my boys aren't... I mean, we do cycling. Um, I mean, I'm happy to sit down on Xbox. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what it tends to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I know, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm probably just quite not very excited in that respect. No, it sounds exciting. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a, you're probably as knackered as I am, considering you've got two kids, Chris. So don't worry well, about it. Well, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, Chris, that, that is that is today's podcast. Was that oh, painless? It, it, was, it was painless. It was very interesting. Thank you very much. Yeah. For Did you enjoy it? it? Yeah, it was very good. Very good. I'd like to thank Chris um, for coming on the podcast <laughs> yeah. today. Um, I found it incredibly interesting, um, obviously, talking to Chris about his diverse experience in multiple roles across multiple industries. Um, and I'm sure that all of our listeners will have found it quite insightful and taken something away from today's episode. So thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. See you next time.